Hello and welcome to the SBP podcast, The Voice of Mobile Film. I'm your host, Susie Botello, and you're listening to episode 27. We would like you to meet Chuck Copeland in Canada, Toronto to be exact. Now, Chuck made a short film with an iPhone and he submitted it to our film festival. Now, his film was actually selected, and we screened it during the International Mobile Film Festival in San Diego. Now, after you listen to this podcast, just so you know, you may wish to listen to the bonus podcast with Chuck, which he shares how to make movies with your phone for practically free. So you'll want to listen to that. You won't want to miss out on that. It's at our Patreon page at um, patreon.com slash SBP podcast. Uh, Listen to that bonus episode and listen to other bonus episodes with a lot of our guests. Now, let's go. Let's chat with Chuck now. Everybody, I'm here with Chuck Copeland from Toronto. That's in Canada. You know, just trying to make myself sound really smart here. Um, <laughs> uh, Chuck, how are you? Fantastic. Happy Star Wars Day. That's right. May the f- I was going to end that. I was going to say, you know, <laughs> uh. may the force be with you. Um, but that's okay. I, I'm used to that. <laughs> um, Chuck, you were in our film festival um, this past weekend. It feels like you're still sitting here on my right, like in our last podcast. Um, yeah, the magic of technology. <laughs> I know. Don't you just, I mean, well, that's one of the reasons why we're having you on as a guest is the technology in your hand. Um, so, Chuck, tell us a little bit. I'm, I'm actually... You know, you're set. Did it take a long time for you to settle back home after, you know, did you have to talk a lot about your experience at the film festival or anything with your friends, your your um, actors and crew? <laughs> not really. The uh, actor, one of the actors had just asked uh, if we won. Oh, <laughs> um, but other than that, um, but all my coworkers were asking how it went. So, yeah. Are they maybe they're thinking about making their own filming? coming yeah <laughs> well, um, i work at, i work for uh production company so we all work in film <laughs> well i was just going over the the photos um literally all day today um and there's you know you were talking in our last podcast for our listeners uh chuck was talking about his experience in the red carpet and um well why don't you go ahead and share that a little bit yeah sure so uh a number of years ago, I decided I wanted to start volunteering at TIFF just so I could see how some of the big festivals work. If you're not familiar, Toronto is one of the premier festivals up there with Sundance and Cannes, South by Southwest. Um, so I just signed up for a whole bunch of random shifts just so I could get exposed to different things. And one of them, I was uh, at one of the venues and they just said, OK, here's a broom. Uh, it's really windy, so anytime some leaves come by, I go out there and sweep them uh, after a wave of people come by who are walking the red carpet for this movie premiere. <laughs> it was kind of kind of weird doing that. <laughs> it's like that was your first experience on the red carpet. I just I just thought that was hilarious, but at the same time sad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I didn't get buster rhymes. That was kind of neat. <laughs> Well, you're, you know, for a lot of people, that's as close as they'll ever get. You know what I'm saying? It's like, oh my God, um, unless you're like, happen to be walking into a hotel who has, you know, which, but that's just so not the same thing. (laughs) Um, You know, uh, so I was looking at the the photos and you had, you know, we had escorts um, for the red carpet for each filmmaker. We had a cosplay uh, group, Star Wars Steampunk Universe. 
um, and uh, um, they were just like so. They added so much to the red carpet experience, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, it was great. It was uh, I think it was great because San Diego. I always associate it with Comic Con. Yeah. Um, I think it kind of added that flavor to the festival to make it unique and stand out. Yeah, no, definitely it did, and it kind of take a took. It takes a little pleasure, uh, pleasure, pressure off of the filmmaker when they're just sort of walking up there, especially if you're alone, you know, you're like, um, yeah, it's all me, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know, and, uh, w- with the cosplayers, they really, I don't know. I just thought when I had the idea of doing that, I thought it was, uh, fantastic. You know, I had the idea actually with Aaron, um, for the, uh, the film festival last year. Um, so we had uh, Dude Vader. Um, yeah. We did that little skit uh, when we were doing the, the Q&A. And, okay. And um, I asked them, remember, to, 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 to come in, and they walked in and sort of interrupted my, present, my, my opening. Yeah. Um, and uh, Dude Vader came in doing the... You know, the breathing. Sorry to yeah. do the sound effects, listeners. <laughs> Sorry to expose you to that. Um, but yeah, when we were doing that, but see, last year I wanted to have, uh, I was telling Aaron, I said, is there a way you can find, because uh, he's Mr. Comic Convent- Convention, I mean, like all over the place. I was like, yeah. do, you know, do you know a Batman? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I said, because I was going to pretend that I forgot the trophies. So oh. <laughs> that I was going to say to everybody, you know, I'm really sorry. I hope you can stick around. I got to go back home and get the trophies. And then Batman was going to walk in from the back of the room <laughs> with the trophies and save the day, you know. But uh, we couldn't really get a hold of a Batman. I, I just don't have the lights for that. You know how you have to shine them up in the sky, you know. with the Yeah. <laughs> and so I didn't have it. And then... Uh, you know, we met the cosplay group and, you know, I can't remember if it was Aaron or me or, or even them, but we had this idea that we would have the filmmakers get escorted on the red carpet and ever, I think it, if I can, I'd like to make that a tradition. Are you going to, yeah. are you going to come, uh, <laughs> way to put you on the spot, Chuck. Um, yeah. do, are you going to make a movie for next year and come back? I'm going to try. I don't know if I'm going to have time to, but I'm going to make my best effort to. Well, I'm, going to try and do, I'm going to try and make what I'd originally intended to make for this year's festival. Oh, my God. That would be just awesome. That would be a great story, you know? And um, and if you come next year, maybe you could come dressed up as, you know, you can bring a cosplay costume. You have time to work on one now. Yeah. Right? You don't <laughs> well, have, have time to make Vader. a movie, but... <laughs> what was that? I have a Darth Vader helmet, so... Oh, awesome. That's pretty cool. Maybe Darth Vader in a suit? Yeah, well, I, I kind of made my Darth Vader outfit from two uh, old Halloween costumes. So I have the Darth Vader helmet, and then I have a green lightsaber, and then I dressed up as one of those like alien autopsy aliens one year. <laughs> so I just combined all three, so it's a pseudo-Darth Vader outfit. <laughs> That's pretty cool. You could be a Darth Vader autopsy... Yeah. So I have like the cloak from the alien autopsy and then I have the green lightsaber from when I was a random Jedi and then the Darth Vader helmet. So it's the closest I've gotten to Darth Vader. That sounds pretty cool though, actually. I you yeah. I you're on. I mean, do it. <laughs> um so uh before I continue having this much fun talking about cosplay, um <laughs> um tell us a little bit I mean, I want to talk about your film, but I, w- okay. I want people to know a little bit before we go there about what got you into film in the first place, where where the interest came from. Um, most people aren't just born wanting to be a filmmaker. And then what um, what brought you to the smartphone filmmaking part of it? Okay. Um, kind of a long story. Go for so... it. It's a podcast. <laughs> we have the time. <laughs> Um, I'm going to go way back. So when I finished college, I was working at an accounting firm and I really hated it. So I quit and bought a one-way ticket to Australia where I worked at a camera company for a few months. And then I tried to be an actor that didn't work out. So I moved to the UK and went back to accounting 
and then did that for a few years and then got laid off. Um, and my visa was tied to my job, so I had to move back to Canada. And I've been unemployed for about a year and a half, couldn't find a job. And then I thought, okay, what is it I really want to do with my life? And I thought, if I'm going to have to start over anyways, what do I really want to do? That's when I started exploring careers in filmmaking and started taking a lot of classes at different places, took workshops um, wherever I could. Um, Where did the interest originally come from to, to make you even choose to, to go that route? I don't know. I've always loved the idea of film. And my intention with accounting was I'd eventually go work for a media company like Disney or Fox or one of those places in their uh, project S management group. Espotello Productions, clients. maybe. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it was, I uh, thought, well, uh, try and find a career in that. Applied to film school, didn't get in, but then started working as a production assistant at Canadian Film Center. And um, the director I'd met through some of the workshops I'd taken, he thought smartphone filmmaking was the wave of the future. And he challenged me to make a phone for the Toronto Smartphone Film Festival. So that's kind of what started me on the journey. And I'd had a script I'd written uh, about six months prior, maybe it was six to eight months prior of a short film. That was my first intention of what I was going to make. And um, it was about two kids running around a library playing Pokemon Go. And then they kind of come in contact with another rival gang of kids and uh, they start kind of digitally fighting each other through their phones. Um, but logistically, it proved really difficult. I had trouble finding a library space or something that I could make look like a library. And then working with kids is also really difficult. So I thought, OK, I have this second idea for a silent film. Uh, so I decided I was going to make that. Instead, it was based on my time in Australia where I went a whole week and didn't talk to a single person uh, until the end of the week. I went to a restaurant and the person asked to take my order. <laughs> and that's kind of how the film ends is that's yeah, the first it, time he's talked all week. <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of sad, you know, but um, it's also it's based off something real, you know. Yeah. So that means that for every one person that you go, wow, that's strange that that would even happen, you know, there's, there's more. So I'm sure there are people out there going, Oh yeah, that happens to me every week. Right. Yeah. I've shared it with a few of my old accounting friends and they're like, that is a depressing movie. That's kind of what my week is like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or, but that's what you were trying to show in a way, but it was kind of fun, you yeah. know, because you, the way that you paced it and you had the different locations and, and everything. Um, well, maybe you should, uh, the name of your film was called The Work Week. Very appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was maybe... struggling to come up with a title and I just thought, well, it's about the work week. And that's kind of the whole theme of it is people are just trying to get through their week to get to the weekend. <laughs> yeah, right. And then the weekend's over before you know it and you're back. Yeah. <laughs> um, so tell us a little more about how you went about, you know, from pre-production um, you know, you know, um, I can, I can only imagine I've, I've actually worked on films sometimes where I read the, the screenplay. I don't even know if you had a screenplay. Yeah. I, I wrote a screenplay. Yeah. Well, there I've, was no dialogue and it. it was all action. Right. But. Um, and I, I mean, I remember getting one, one time I was like, I have no idea how this is going to work. You know what I mean? I just couldn't envision this thing. Um, and you know, I worked through it. I was a PA in that film and, yeah. um, and I, and we got, but it was that kind of a PA where you, you're like running the boon and then maybe you have to handle the camera a little bit and maybe you have to turn AD for a day or something, you know, it's that kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, and, um, I remember just getting through it and then once it was edited and put together, it was just amazing. It was like a whole, it was like, wow, we, we worked on this, you know? And I, I, it was, it just, sometimes you just can't envision. That's what the director does. Is it helps people, you know, envision their vision. Yeah. You know? Did you get anything like that with, with this one or? I had to change my vision a bit because originally I wanted it to be black and white. And I found, hmm. um, I was kind of hoping to speak to, uh, the film breaker about this because he seems to uh, know all the latest and greatest apps for filmmaking was um, 
the iPhone software I had at the time, you could take pictures in black and white and it got the right contrast of what I was looking for. But when you did video, it was in color and you could only change it in editing. And I found when I started editing it that um, the black and white just wasn't working. Yeah. So I decided to just say, okay, I'll go back to color. Um, what did you use hope- for editing? I just used iMovie. Yeah. Pretty sure you can you can do that. I'm like almost about ready to open iMovie right now. Um, <laughs> but that would be boring for our listeners, actually. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the great thing with iMovie is if you have a phone and a laptop, mm-hmm. you can go make a short film. Um, yeah. And did you use the laptop or did you use the, the app on the on the phone? No, I used my laptop for editing. Um, I'd edited a few short films before and I just was more familiar with iMovie's uh, software and I could play around with stuff. Like I'd take audio from one scene and play it in a different scene. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and not only that, but <laughs> iMovie, it's something you want to keep playing with too because um, with every update, sometimes they change everything. <laughs> Yeah. Like literally, uh, they've gone through so many changes. Um, but then I don't know, have you ever used uh, Final Cut Pro? No, I haven't. So Final Cut Pro did this thing that just basically got everybody really upset uh, years ago where everything was flowing and then all of a sudden they just went brand new, huge update and they changed their their interface basically. And ah. so it was like, what happened? And it had more of a feel of iMovie. But, um, and people couldn't find the, you know, all the, uh, well, everything was just different. And so because it had this feel of iMovie, a lot of people just got really upset because they couldn't, they had to learn it again. But the thing that got, uh, I was working for a company at the time and they kept, taking B-roll and, and little little interviews and things from past films, you know, uh, well, past videos, and then putting it in there. And what happened was they, uh, you couldn't do that anymore. Uh-huh. You, couldn't, you couldn't go back and edit, you know, open up and edit a, a video that you had, you know, done in Final Cut Pro anymore. It was all new. Like you had to create them from, you know, brand new again. And they were so upset. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but yeah, iMovie did that a few times where they changed their interface as well pretty, pretty harshly. Uh, so if you didn't go back and, you know, you go back to using it, it says, oh, we got a major update. You update it and then you go, wait, what? <laughs> what happened here? Um, I hate when that happens. Yeah, well, with any app, right? Oh, yeah. Hey, speaking of apps, do you use any apps on your phone when you were making your movie? No, I just used uh, the normal native camera cool. that comes with iPhone. <laughs> I, know, I know a few other iPhone filmmakers that used apps, and some of them you can even edit in the app. Yeah. Um, but no, I thought just uh, use the native camera. It kind of helps you um, a little bit, uh, you know, unless you're making something epic. Not that your film wasn't epic or anything, but I mean, unless you're making something really, you know, super cinematic or something, you know, um, that it's like it helps you stick with the story if you're not using additional apps, you know, because they can have quirks, you know, I can I could just imagine how many people go to use, you know, they're depending on an app and they get there that day and. I mean, the thing is, don't let your apps automatically update. <laughs> you get... I know one guy lost some of his footage because the app wasn't syncing properly or something. And so like an hour's worth of recording all got lost. <laughs> yeah. You know, Tim, when Tim Russ uh, did that Q&A on Saturday, he spoke about that too, about how to be careful not to lose your and back everything up immediately. Because yeah. you don't want to lose your footage. That is that is like, I mean, that would make people want to cry, you know. Yeah, I was paranoid about that. So as soon as I got home, I uploaded everything to my laptop and then made a copy to a hard drive. Um, I was originally going to upload it to the cloud, but the files were just way too big. So I decided, well, I have a spare room on my hard drive. I'll move it all onto there. Yeah, the cloud can be tricky. 
when you're... One trick I did on a different short film where I wanted to store it was I just created different Gmail accounts. So it was <laughs> title of the short film one, title of the short film two. <laughs> and you got 15 gigs with each one. So I spread it across like three free accounts. Wow. That's <laughs> so one of the accounts was all the yeah. sound. Another account was uh, half the video. And then another third account was the other half of the video. <laughs> you know, I remember, uh, I think it was 2014, uh, was trying to back things up, things that I was shooting, um, trying to back them up into Dropbox. And, um, man, it was just so slow, you know, even with Wi-Fi. Because yeah. sometimes I think it was like on the iPhone 4 or the 4S. I can't remember what it was, but it was like, you know, sometimes it's Wi-Fi that gets in the way. Sometimes it's cell service or sometimes it's just the fact that your phone is just slow, you know, yeah. for whatever reason. Um, so, so yeah, I, I, I you know, if you're going to do something major, you you really should bring the laptop with you so you can. And, and they do that on, on film sets all the time, too. I mean, I remember working on a feature film where um, they were, you know, taking the from an HD uh, camera and they were taking the card. And, you know, there was a media uh, girl there and she was downloading and clearing. They had two cards um, and they were using one you know, they were recording something and then she was downloading it and then they would, you know, get the one that she had cleared and put that one in the camera. And it was kind of complicated a little bit, but it was, you know, it worked and they were starting to edit stuff right there on set. It's crazy. Yeah, I've seen a number of shorts I've worked on were uh, in one feature that uh, they'd give the cards to the data technician, they'd upload it, they'd start doing the color correct um, we were filming at night and then he did the color correction and it looked like daytime just because of how they lit the scene. <laughs> wow. That's pretty cool. Uh, um, and he'd do all the color correction, put together an initial edit and then the editor would start working on the edit. So that way the day or two later he's like, okay, I've got a first cut of the scene. <laughs> yeah. No. And also if there's anything the editor says, you know, you, we're not going to be able to use this for whatever reason, they can always start planning on the reshoot yeah for something um so obviously you didn't have to worry about sound too much right <laughs> well i did have a huge sound issue at the end yeah. it was incredibly windy um, and i was just praying that i could fix it on iMovie and i wasn't able to do that yeah. so um i shared it with a few friends and they thought well because the start of it was just, oh, hi, how's it going? Can I take your order? And like, everybody knows that, and you can kind of read their lips and get the sense of it. So just keep the music playing yeah, and don't have don't have them hear what they're saying and then slowly have the music fade and the voices come up and try and time it so that way it's right when the wind dies down. <laughs> um, I recently got an idea from another friend, which I think I might do, is he said, well, if you can change it and just have the music keep going and just subtitle it. Mm. Yeah, like a silent film, right? Yeah. So just keep it a completely silent film. Yeah. So I might I might re-edit it and do that. <laughs> Are you going to submit it to, I mean, I know while you were there, you submitted it to a, a few film festivals already. Did you go on our website and look at more? Yeah, well, I submitted to SF3, and yeah. then I double-checked the rules for the one in Barcelona, right. Cineflix, Cinephone. or Cinephone. That's okay. Um, and they said if if it's in English or Spanish, you don't need subtitles. So I submitted there as well. Cool. Uh, so hoping I get into one of those. <laughs> yeah, I hope so too. Which would be great because we're at SF3. When I lived in Australia, the cinema that they pulled the festival at, I lived across the street from there. So <laughs> That's pretty <laughs> handy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so how long have you been living in um, in uh, in Toronto? I mean, that's where you're from, but how long have you been back? Yeah. Uh, I moved back in 2014 and then I lived in Vancouver for three months in 2016 and then back to Toronto. And then I spent this past summer in LA nice. um, and then back to Toronto. So wow, <laughs> I move you, around a lot. You're a traveling man basically, aren't you? Yeah. Well, I think it'd be great if you, if you made, so what is the movie that you want to make now? If, 
unless you want us to all sign a non-disclosure because you don't want to give it away. Um. <laughs> um, well, I want to try and make the original one that I was going to do. I know Pokemon Go is not as popular, so I might change that to some other type of game. Right. Um, I'll age the kids up so that way they're instead of before they were like ten or twelve, age them up to teenagers, and then just get an eighteen-year-old who looks like they're fourteen. <laughs> right. There's a lot uh, of those. <laughs> And then, uh, because it's a cell phone, just try and go on a college campus in the summer and wait for them to throw me out. <laughs> now, do you think you'll have, I've never even thought about this while you were saying this, but do you think you'd have issues with Pokemon Go or any, any of those uh, proprietary issues? I asked an entertainment lawyer about that yeah. at an event once, and he said as long as... it. He thought it would fall under fair use because he said you're using the product as intended. And as long as you're not uh, like as long as you just don't say Pokemon Go and make it clear that what they're doing and you're not trying to profit off of it. Um, he's, he thought it would fall under fair use so mm. because you're using it as intended um, and you're not showing the product in a negative light in any way. Yeah. It wouldn't hurt to ask them, you know, um, maybe. I mean, you know, it, you wouldn't, could... it wouldn't hurt. But I know Nintendo, a lot of people like a lot of there's a lot of gamers who do. Um, yeah, they go on YouTube. Twi and do... They go on YouTube and Nintendo pulls those down off of YouTube all the time saying, oh, you're using our copyrighted mm -hmm. material. Um, and YouTube can be a real nightmare uploading stuff because um, there's no human being you can talk to or it's really difficult to get in a touch of... with one. A lot of companies are like that now. Yeah. It's like, it's like, what's the big secret? Like, no one can talk to you for anything. I mean, like, literally, yeah. customer service, nothing. It's crazy. So I put a short film on YouTube, and I had a music license. And then they basically took it down saying, oh, you have an unauthorized music license. And I'm like, well, I have a copy of the license. Do you want to – how can I show it to someone? But there's it was just a bot that I was talking to. Right. So there's no way to – actually get in touch of a human being <laughs> yeah you know things like that happen i remember uh, a long time ago i mean it was crazy working with with youtube um back in 2000 let me see 2004 2005 i mean you couldn't upload anything with music even if it was your own it would just automatically go oh music must be somebody else's yeah you know unless you you had you know, stuff going on top of it. It was crazy. Like I tried, um, you know, uploading a montage and, and it, it was so frustrating. I was like, this is my song. I created, I created this. It was back when I first started creating stuff with GarageBand. Yeah. Uh, just tinkering around with it. And, um, yeah, it wouldn't let me. And I got so annoyed. I was like, forget you, YouTube, <laughs> <laughs> you know, for, for a long time anyways. But they've, it's gotten so much better, you know, as far as, well, I mean, as far as easily being able to upload just about anything. And then they'll yeah. take it down. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you're going you're gonna to do that. Um, when you were uh, at the film festival, um, obviously, now, you, you've been to other film festivals, just not red carpet or something right i've been to other ones as a viewer um this is the first time i've been to one where it's my work in the festival oh that's awesome so we were the first so, yep we, <laughs> you're my first festival we like christened you or something <laughs> yeah nice uh what did you think about the um about the event maybe i, I shouldn't ask I <laughs> yeah i really felt like a great vip so was wonderful. Yeah, we really work hard on that one. Actually, I'm I'm lying. It's actually very easy for me to uh, to do that because you know, well, first of all, I meet you guys kind of on emails, you know. Yeah. And then I'm going back and forth. I never know, you know, how people are going to be in real life, but for the most part, most everybody is pretty awesome. Yeah, um, I love how great you were at getting back to me because I have another short film I've done that just I. Have, think I'm in because they said we'd like to screen your film at the festival. Mike, does that mean I'm in a selection or you're just going to screen it during oh. the festival? Um, 
and I had a few other questions, and they're just really bad at getting back to me. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, you hear that film festivals? Get on that. Call yeah. <laughs> get back to Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I really appreciate how quick you were getting back to me. <laughs> well, thank you. I try to do that with everybody. Um, I also have a habit, you know, like if you message me, I usually answer you pretty much right away if I can. And the reality is that if I don't, um, I probably, I, I just forget cause I get busy doing so many things. So I am, I have that kind of attitude towards a lot of things. It's kind of like, let me just take care of it now. And, and then it's done, you know, kind of a thing. But I yeah. do, I do value filmmakers, you know, um, a lot, you know, anybody that submits a film to the film festival, um, to me, that's a, that's a big deal, you know? Um, so yeah, I do try to get back to people right away, you know, especially when you have questions, you know, because I mean, for, <laughs> I don't know what world you're living on, you know what I mean? And I'm sure you're asking for a reason and I hate to leave people hanging, you know, and pending yeah. on something. Um, so outside of, outside of that, um, the red carpet, what was your highlight? I, I kind of forgot. Was it the red carpet? Oh no, it was viewing, viewing the yeah, films. It was huh? viewing the other films. I, I really like watching what other people come up with. Yeah. We had a, such a cool variety of films, didn't we? Yeah. I was really impressed with the, uh, the winners The they blew me away. <laughs> yeah. Focus was in, and the actor were actually the winning films. And also, you know what I really, and this has been brought to my attention too, is the the connection all of you all of you made. Yeah. You know, I mean, it was I, great how friendly everybody was. I know I was busy, you know, because I was really trying to keep everything flowing on schedule, and um, and I like to spend more time with the filmmakers. You know what I'm saying? And I've done that in the past, and I felt. I, at first, I was like, oh, I need to spend more time with them. But then I, I, I went over to you guys a few times, and you guys were like hanging out, like you knew knew each other forever, like you were just all best friends or something, you know? Yeah, I find a lot of filmmakers are like that, where it's we're all part of a community, and um, it's very. I find it's the reputation is that it's very cutthroat and competitive, but it tends to be more people are. Uh, friendly and collaborative and let's help each other rise together. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, um, we had, um, a couple people, <laughs> Australia was ruling our film festival. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, uh, like Norell and Brian, I don't think they ever met before. No, they ha I don't think they had. And then there was uh, Jason Van Genderen, you know, film breaker. And yeah, he said, you know, I had to come all the way out to San Diego. He's from the Sydney area. He said, I had to come all the way to San Diego uh, to meet Norell and Brian, you know, because they hadn't yeah. met before either. And to me, you know, that for me was pretty awesome, you know, um, that and having um, having so many of you guys, you know, there at the film festival. Um I know there was a time I thought like, wow, there's so many chairs up here <laughs> for you guys for the, the Q&A and everything. Um, what what would you say is um, your specialty when it comes to filmmaking, the writing part, the storytelling part, or or just putting, you know, the structuring and editing? I mean, what's your, your thing? Um, I think my thing is logistics. I'm hyper organized. Um, you like when I made this, right? <laughs> yeah, um, I storyboarded it to death, made a shot list, made a list of props and kind of just made sure I had everything I needed. So then when I actually shot it, I planned for about a five or six hour shoot and I was done in about two and a half hours. Um, and some of the actors are like, they were just amazed at how organized everything was because I only did two or three takes of each thing. They're like a lot of times they're like, the director will take 30 takes and then end up going with the second one. But, um, I was like, if I having tried to get into acting, I tended to let them do their thing. Um, and as long as it looked like what I wanted, then 
I was good with that and ready to move on. <laughs> yeah, you had multiple, uh, well, sort of multiple. How did you shoot that? Did you shoot uh, like all all the ones in one location for all the different scenes in one at one time and then move on to the next location? Uh, sort of. Some of the locations I did out of order because um, not all the actors got there on time. One of them had slept through her alarm, so I had to wait for her to show up. Um, actually, an interesting thing, the couple of days before, two of my actors canceled, so I had to find them last minute as replacements. Oh, no. <laughs> um, so I was supposed to get two friends who were in university for acting to be in it, and they got the months mixed up. They're like, oh, I was supposed to shoot it in April. I'm like, oh, we thought you meant May. <laughs> I was like, no, April. I'm like, oh, we have exams. Well, yeah, we're too busy. I was like, oh, crap. Um, so I managed to find two replacements at the last minute. Um, so got really lucky with that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, and that's also, it's good that you were filming it on your phone, didn't have funders knocking at your door going, hey. <laughs> yeah, I, I, the only thing I spent money on other than craft was uh, I paid each of my actors for their time. Um, yeah, so I, was, I was trying to do that just to incentivize it, and I figured um, I didn't know them that well. I'd worked with some of them before, but I thought if I'm paying them for their time, keep it professional, and I figured they were more likely to listen to me. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's one of the things uh, a lot of people don't value enough is acting, you know, yeah. and um, they'll just get anybody to help them out because they're thinking, you know, they'll help me for free because, you know, after all, I'm, I'm filming it on a phone. Why should I pay? You know, they, yeah. they a lot of, not everybody is like that. Thank God, you know, and I think in the end it shows in their, in their film, not yeah. always, you know, there always are exception, exceptions to the rule where you get films that were shot completely free. Everything was free, but then the films are really good. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? And vice versa, where someone, you know, paid their actors, paid this, paid that, and then their film just wasn't so good. It really yeah. does come down to having a story, you know, to, yeah. to have something to, to guide you. Um, I always try to follow the Pixar philosophy of story first. Yeah. And have that kind of drive everything. I think that's kind of been the story <laughs> i think that's kind of been the theme um since motion picture kind of started you know uh where it's been about you know some sort of a story some sort of a story before we even got to moving pictures uh when it was just radio audio shows you know yeah um and actually there i would think it was more important uh with like radio um was that one uh with orson wells uh, oh the war, uh... war of the worlds yeah, everybody thought it was real. <laughs> yeah, that always that story has always fascinated me. You know, um Yeah. Because, you know, I mean, yeah, that that was a a radio show supposed to be sort of like a breaking news, you know. I mean, like imagine right now, you know, breaking, you know, news. <laughs> I don't have a TV, so I don't get cable, but a lot of people <laughs> have cable, right? And they turn on the news or the TV and they get that um, do you guys have that in, in Canada? The whole, uh, 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 it's like, uh, this is not, uh, fake. I forgot what they say. I don't have a TV yeah. anymore. So. We, well, I remember when I was a kid, cause we get a lot of the American stations from Buffalo back in the antenna days, um, before cable was a thing. So we would often get, this is a test of the emergency broadcast system. Yeah. Um, and one of the, I moved around a lot growing up and one of the places we lived was, uh, prone to tornadoes. So they'd occasionally do a tornado test on the TV airwaves that was very similar to the emergency broadcast yeah. tests you hear. But yeah, could you imagine like now having something like that happen? Um, and maybe not with aliens. I mean, you just pick anything today. We're just going through these weird times when anything can happen. Right. Well, yeah. like we just had, actually, we had that big scare well, we, I mean, in Hawaii, just, you know, wasn't it last year at the end of last year or earlier this yeah, year? Yeah, with the, uh, someone had pushed the nuclear warning button. <laughs> yeah, and they thought North Korea was sending missiles over or something and people, I mean, I saw footage of, or B-roll, whatever, of people um, putting their families in the uh, manholes on the street. 
they were lifting up yeah. the lid and putting people in there. I guess that, in a way, might be a good idea, but I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm just thinking you just, I mean, that's just horrible what happened there. Yeah. Um, and it lasted, I think, like a half hour. That's like an eternity when, I mean, just think of getting through one 30-second awful commercial. <laughs> yeah. Imagine 30 minutes of, you know, just wondering what the heck is going on and, oh, scary. It's a short film right there. I know, right? Uh, I'm pretty <laughs> sure that somebody's making a film out of that. You know, they made a film out of um, everything else. Um, yeah. We were just, I was just on Twitter and they were doing this whole, you know, name your apocalyptic end of the world type movies, you know. And that we want to make or that we well, like? That we just, you know, just whatever came to mind. And that one with Brad Pitt, um, the Z movie. Oh, World War Z. World War Z. I know that one was, that had a good opening, I thought. It was more realistic. I never saw that one. Okay, well, just watch that. If you like <laughs> zombies, I mean, I don't want you to have I nightmares. used to, but I found that they, uh, like, I used to like vampire movies, and then they were everywhere. So I'm like, okay, zombies aren't really any everywhere, so I got into those, and then now those are <laughs> everywhere. So. I'm like, yes, they are, especially in the movies, they're everywhere. <laughs> yeah, that one was fun. a little different because it was very, very realistic. You know, it's about, like, a family just kind of having a regular day, and the zombies are not slow. They're not going brains. You know, they're not... Yeah. Not They're like fast-moving zombies. Yeah, they are. And the whole scene... Like uh, 24 hours later. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... Yeah. It, that You know, movies like that that make it more realistic are, yeah. are good. And also, they're good for mobile films as well because... I mean, I've, I've seen movies where they're trying to do the shaking, you know, making up for it because they're uh, using a camcorder. But I'm yeah. like... You know, realistically, it would be a phone. You'd you'd be recording that on a phone. Yeah. Well, didn't um, this is back before phone cameras were as good as they are now? The uh, Clover first Cloverfield was yeah. a camcorder movie. Yeah. Found footage. Yeah. Um, so remember, um, uh, what is it? oh Blair Witch? Yeah. Where they had uh, film and. Um, so they had a film camera and then they had a, uh, I think they had a DV camera or something like that too. Yeah. They had a couple different formats on there. And yeah, I, I could see something like that happening. Maybe, you know, that would be a good idea for our listeners, you know, make a, a Blair Witch uh, with smartphones, you know, maybe. They're going Why out not? To, they went out to make a documentary, you know, with their smartphone. And then they found the smartphones all buried under old film or something. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) That was part of the the creepy part of that story was that. So, uh, hey, Chuck, I play this little game. I don't know. Okay. Uh, Most people have not. Most of my guests don't listen to my podcast, so I don't know if you knew that. Um, But there's a little game that we play. I call it the shout-out game. Okay. And uh, it's basically 20 seconds. Um, to do a shout out and I don't know if you want to pick something you'd like to give a shit. Some people like movies, songs, things like that. I was actually going to give you an opportunity to give a shout out to all the people that helped you make your film. If that was, you know, and supported you, if that sounds good to you. Yeah, sure. Right on. This is, this is their time now. It's like the Oscars. Yeah. (laughs) All right, you. Let me, I, let me know when I can go. Yeah, you bet. Ready, set, and I got a timer going. Okay, so go. Okay, I'd like to give a shout out to George Donato and Lisa Vespi who helped me come up with the idea and supported me with the making of this. To my actors, John Lilly, Bianca, Joyce, and Bazia. Um, shout out to my parents who supported me in this whole endeavor, and shout out to Rain Dance that. Uh, helps me with some classes nice. <laughs> and learning. <laughs> I think that's a perfect time then, huh? You got everybody yeah. in there. And later Just you'll about. be like, oh, no, I forgot my dog or something. No, <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty cool. 
Well, um, I think what I'd like to do now uh, for uh, for our listeners, um, I'd like you to leave off with one really good advice, and then we're going to move on to our Patreon uh, tips and tricks and bonus podcast. Um, okay, we'll do that separately. But in order to say goodbye on a good on on good footing, I don't even know what I'm talking about here. Um, Maybe you can get, leave uh, our listeners with some really good tips. Just one major tip that you found was a big challenge that you'd say, if I had to warn you about something when it comes to mobile filmmaking, what would that be? Um, copy something a professor of mine told me. He said, when it comes to filmmaking, nobody ever fails. They just give up. Huh. Um. And I think it's, if you just keep at it, um, you'll succeed. There's another filmmaker. Um, I asked him, what's the secret to making a good film of high production value? And he said, make a lot of bad movies first. So even if your first short film turns out not the way you envisioned, um, look at it and think, okay, what went wrong? What can I do better? How do I fix this? And then either try remaking it or move on to the next project and try again. And you'll... I found that my first couple of films I PA'd on, I was learning and learning so that by the time I did my own first one, I learned so much from the first ones that I'd worked on that were terrible that um, this one went really well and turned out a lot better than I thought it would. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's in, in filmmaking, it's very hard to learn from somebody else's mistakes. Um, we've all seen lots of bad movies, but that doesn't mean that you know, we've learned from their mistakes because they're usually behind the scenes and we don't see them. I think it helps if you're like one of the pieces of advice I got was to be this boom op because you're going to because you're going to be hearing everything and you're going to see a lot more than a lot of other people are going to. So you're going to see a lot of things that you're like, why'd you do it that way? That just seems ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Like one thing, it was a short film I was working on. I was the uh, art PA. And one thing that drove me nuts was they left all their B-roll till the end of the day. Um, and they didn't have time to finish it because um, they were. it was a paid set. And crew were like, all right, time's up. Unless you're going to pay us more, we're done. <laughs> oh, no. And they didn't get most of their B-roll. So I was like, okay. Because um, I thought one of the things I did on this one was I did all that first. So that way it was all out of the way. Um, but then I've had other filmmakers tell me, no, that's the absolute worst mistake you can make because, um, you only leave that to the end because if you don't get that stuff, the film's not ruined. You want to do all the big stuff first. So that way, um, if you don't have time to get to it, the core of the film is still saved and you've got something decent. So there's, there's two ways of looking at it. Yeah. But you were super organized. There's no way it's not going to work. <laughs> yeah. I think the the more, like, I've worked on short films with a director, and it's usually a first or second time director. They're like, oh, do you have any storyboards or shot lists? And I'm like, no, it's all in my head. I can figure it out. And the day is a lot less organized and tends to take a lot longer than the director who comes in with, okay, here's my shot list. Here's the order I want to do them in. Um, I'm limiting my number of takes, so make sure we get it right the first time. Um and I've storyboarded everything, so this is how I want it to look. The, the ones who come in more prepared tend to be the smoother shoots, whereas the ones who come in and like, let's make it up as we go tend to uh, not get finished. <laughs> yeah, let's make it up as you go is kind of, um, I, I mean, a lot of people think that's cool, you know, but you, you do find later you're going, oh, no, because things come up. Things yeah. happen and you get these challenges and it, it really takes a lot of brain work right and creativity and and by the time you've got that and you've accomplished that um you forget some of the other stuff that you had in your head you know you're moving along and then you forget oh and during the day you're going to come up with cool ideas for shots um like i was waiting for an actor who was running late and my uh, main actor was just sitting there reading the paper and i'm like oh this would make a cool shot so i just recorded that and then cut it in and you can see there's a bit of a continuity error because the things around him while he's eating and reading the paper are different than when I do a much wider shot showing the whole room. But um, I thought it worked really well because 
I hadn't planned to do that shot. And then a couple of times we'd go out and get a coffee as a break. And I'm like, Oh, I'm just going to get a shot of you walking here. <laughs> yeah. That's, and the, I hadn't, I hadn't planned on that shot. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's the, one of the coolest parts about, I mean, there's two ways of mobile filmmaking. One is basically you go out and you find cool things and then you bring them home and then you incorporate them and, and create a story out of that. Yeah. That's, that's one way because there's so many, you know, uh, so many different kinds of, of films, like experimental films and just little one-minute films and things like that that you can do. But all of them work your... They all... How should I... They all contribute to your experience. Yeah. And uh, I was telling, uh, you know, uh, I don't know if you know Get Ahead Media, uh, Francesca Jago. No. Um, not well, she's from... Um, a little farther out in New Zealand there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but she, you know, we were talking on the, on, we did a podcast. She was a guest and, and I was going through this whole thing with her about what leads to what, and basically experience leads to expertism, you know, yeah. but in order to get the experience, you have to actually do that. You know, you don't just get experience by thinking about it. And yeah. so, so yeah, just working, even if you, for listeners, you just happen to be out at the coffee shop or having to go on a road trip or you're sitting in class and you got, I mean, there's so many different things, you know, so many different angles, just looking down sometimes, yeah. uh, just looking at shadows and things like that can give you some really cool ideas for and experimental. You can always films. make documentaries about things mm-hmm. too, because um, kind of regretting I didn't do it because it seemed like a lot more effort at the time. Um, I was living in LA this past summer and, uh, the person who inspired me to make my short film said, you know, you have your phone with you. You should do a daily diary and make a documentary of your time in LA at the end. So you've got, um, you can edit it down to say 30 minutes or 20 minutes, but it'd make a good, uh, memento of your trip. And now you've got a second film under your belt. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and the thing is about documentaries, that's, kind of one of my favorite genres is that sometimes you go out to a documentary, you know, with, with a topic and you're thinking, this is what I'm going to get. And then all of a sudden things change. Your entire story can change because something happens because it's real, you know? So you just don't know. I mean, I think most people have, have watched documentaries, have seen, you know, then listened to the interviews and, the, you know, the producers have said, you know, well, we intended to make a documentary about, I don't know, child abuse, right? But we ended up making the documentary about, you know, uh, child protective services and how screwed up they were, you know, and yeah. how, you know, how that turned into something completely different just because we interviewed an expert or something happened in the middle, you know, which you, is, yeah, go ahead. Did you see this year's best documentary oscar winner icarus no i didn't i missed the whole oscars okay that same thing happened with them the whole point of the documentary was this guy was looking at all the people who've done the tour de france uh who were cheating and doping and he thought okay there's a civilian version that anybody can run you just have to register so he trained for a year did it and then he's like okay i'm gonna train for another year and do it again but this time i'm gonna dope um, and he was originally going to get some scientists from UCLA to help him do it safely so he doesn't hurt himself. And the guy's like, well, I can't really do this. I might lose my medical license. But he said, there's this doctor in Russia you should talk to. He might be able to help you out. Oh. And then halfway through the movie, the guy comes out and says, yeah, I've been leading Russia's Olympic doping program for the last 30 years, and I'm going to come to America. I'm going to rat them all out. And now he's in the witness protection program. Wow. Yeah, things can really, really, really turn. So the second half of the movie was all about Russia being banned from the Olympics and going through how this guy cheated the system. Yeah. I mean, he might as well have just made the whole documentary about that and forgotten about the first part. Yeah. I think it was that he'd spent two years of his life making the first part, so I think it was... Well, yeah, right. It's like he he felt committed to that. Yeah. <laughs> That's really cool. Well, it's a great. It's on Netflix. So I highly recommend it. Well, I watch Netflix, so um, that's that's what I call my cable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, that and and your films. I've actually 
I actually watch the films over and over again sometimes. You know, they're they're there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so why not? Um some of them are really, really interesting films too. I mean, for the most part all of them are, but there's some that are more than others and you know, you can watch a film more than once and get something that you didn't get the last time. Yeah. You know, that's kind of like why we all watch, I don't know, E.T. or something six times or something. Yeah. Or I actually War found things. that a lot of some producers who they know, OK, this show, we know our movie's going to get watched 30 times. They try to put a lot of stuff in there. So that way, when you watch it the second time, you're going to catch stuff. And then you watch it the third time, you're going to discover something new. So that way, each time you're catching something that you didn't see the previous time you watched Yeah, it. like M. Night Sh- uh, Shame. How do you pronounce his last name? Shyamalan. Shyamalan. That's probably that's probably wrong. But. Well, either he's Canadian, isn't he? I don't think so. No. I'll Google it. Yeah, Google away. That's the other thing for filmmaking is. No, he's Indian. He's Indian. Um, but he lives. I thought he lived in Canada for some reason. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe you're right. Maybe he lives. Maybe he lived else. here for a while or something. I don't know. So people pass through Canada on their way to the U.S. <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, Canada has got some good musicians too. I, yeah. I like the music there. Um, the unicorns. <laughs> Celine Dion. <laughs> yeah. There's so many. There's a lot of. Um, I'll have to go there. I almost got there once a long time ago. We made a road trip, but we only got as far as San Francisco. I was like a teenager. (laughs) Come in the summer, unless you like to ski. Well, we spent all our money (laughs) before we got there. And we're like, um, (laughs) forget it. We can't make it that far. It was, it was, you know, one of those dumb teenager things, but that was a movie in itself. (laughs) Yeah. Experience. Um, all right. Well, Hey, uh, Chuck, I feel like um, um, I know it was only just this last weekend, but I I really miss not not just you, but all the filmmakers. It's like we didn't get to hang out enough. So yeah, it's just <laughs> need crazy. to make the festival longer next time. I know, right? <laughs> I don't know. Well, hopefully, there's more features in the future, and you can have a feature selection and a short selection. Yeah, you know, um, I you know. Uh, Brian's film, he tried submitting that film into into the film festival, um, actually, but he didn't find our film festival till it was, you know, after the deadline, unfortunately. Yeah. But um, but still, I thought the film was cool and it was great. I mean, I saw it and I was like, you know, if you're willing to come to the film festival and stuff, uh, this was months ago. Um, actually... Uh, episode seven of this podcast. If you do feel like listening to this podcast, um, if you go to episode seven, it's an interview with him where he talks about the making of his film and he names all the other actors that were in his film other than Tim Ross. What was that like just before we head away? Meeting what, Tim, Tim Ross. Ross or the yeah. movie? Tim Ross was awesome. <laughs> yeah. I'm a huge Star Trek fan, so that was a Aww. highlight for me. I'm so glad I did that for you then. Yeah. <laughs> Made that happen because you know there um there are people who have no idea, you know, they're like I don't I was know. Debating whether to do the Vulcan salute, but I thought he probably gets that all the time, so <laughs> I decided against it. <laughs> he was also the uh principal in a show. I don't know if you guys ever got that there, iCarly. No, we never got that here. Yeah, it's like a We only just got Victorious, which I started watching and I'm like this is ridiculous but i can't stop watching <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty funny yeah it was glad it was nice i'm glad that that you were a big fan that he yeah. was there but yeah like when i started this podcast i was talking about you know i was going through all the photos and um i'll have to send you those photos um maybe i'll put a couple of them in the blog for this cool. that would be awesome if you can uh yeah. Put up some of those and some of the red carpet ones. Yeah, well, you know, there's there's one with Tim Russ and then there's the other there's the red carpet one with your with your escort. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you you you're you're pretty comical. Uh you may be an accountant, but you have a pretty <laughs> darn good sense of humor. Well, thank um, you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm an outlier when it comes to accountants. Most of them are robots. <laughs> <laughs> but at least they talk, right? Yeah. <laughs> Once a week. <laughs> um, Only when they absolutely have to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll have to 
you know, you shared, you shared a lot during the Q and a, and, um, yeah, you're a good storyteller too. It's no wonder you're making movies actually. Yeah. Yep. Well, listeners, uh, meet us at, uh, our Patreon page, SBP, well, uh, www.patreon.com <laughs> slash SBP podcast. And we'll see you there. <laughs> Bye-bye. Uh-huh. Thank you.